Hey fam, hello, 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 family. We are, <laughs> it's a word from the Lord, okay? And it, this might be a two-part word, but this is a word and it's coming forth in the mighty name of Jesus, okay? So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for another day, Father. I thank you for just giving me new breath in my lungs, Lord. I thank you for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords in my life, Father. I thank you for revealing yourself to myself and your children, Lord. I thank you for choosing us and preordaining us for such a time as this, Father. And Lord, I'm asking that you give me the boldness to speak what you are speaking, Father. I know that I have to decrease, Father, in order you to increase, Father. And I humbly say, have your way, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. Use me to give a word to your people, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit just engulfs me, Lord, so I can pour it out to your children, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we plead in the blood of Jesus over this episode over my brothers and sisters and over myself father and we binding up any foul enemy any lying tongue that will try to come up against this word i command them to silence right now in the mighty name of jesus and that's in the mighty name of jesus that i pray amen <laughs> okay fam so we got that so family remember we was talking about a massive earthquake now, I have to give you a little bit of a backstory. So, the previous word that says warning, the Lord said it's going to be cataclysmic. When the Lord was giving me that word, he told me to look up the definition. So, I'm going to look up the definition to cataclysmic again. And it says, relating to or denoting a violent natural event used to emphasize the extent of something bad or unwelcome. And then you know how when you go on Google and you go down and it says people who ask. And the first one that said that pops up like of the question. What does cataclysmic event mean? And it means flood, deluge, catastrophe sense, a monumentous and violent event marked by overwhelming upheaval and demolishing broadly. An event that brings great changes and international econ- economic cataclysm. Cataclysm. Yeah, cataclysm. Oh, then the next word the Lord told me to look up was upheaval. And it says a violent or sudden change or disruption to something. An upward displacement to the part of the earth's crust. Okay. And um, you know how it gives you a little sentence at the bottom of the definition. And it says major upheavals in the financial markets. Right. Stay with me. Stay with me. So then I looked up demolish. The action or process of demolishing or being demolished. An overwhelming defeat. Then I looked up deluge. And a deluge is a severe flood. And it's a, in, 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 I don't know that word, family. It's an inundate with a great quantity of something. So that's what deluge means. So, when the Lord was speaking to me, I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> what are you saying? So, then he didn't say nothing else. Then, yesterday, when I had got out the shower, he said, look up the definition of an earthquake, right? So, I looked up the definition of an earthquake, and I'm about to tell you what it said. Let me type it in. And it says, 
a sudden and violent shaking of the ground, something causing great destruction as a result of movements within the earth's crust or volcanic action. And then another one is a great upheaval. And it says at the bottom of the sentence, you know how underneath the definition, it says a political earthquake. Family, when the Lord said that, it took me back to a couple episodes ago. I said, the Lord keeps telling me a massive earthquake. And, you know, I felt like humanly he was talking about like an earthquake, like a massive earthquake. And that could still very well be so. I'm not saying that that's not so. But the Lord is telling me it's a massive earthquake that's going to happen in politics. It's going to be a a political earthquake. It's going to be massive. It's going to be a shaking. Hallelujah. And um, I have a couple scriptures that I want to read to you about the um, the massive earthquakes. So first, let's go to Revelations 16. And let's go down to verse 18. And it says... All right, hold on. Let's go to verse 17. We set in the scene. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying it is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck the struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm and a hailstorm weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky unto the people below. They cursed God because of their terrible plague of hailstorms. Hallelujah. And family, like, I went so humanly when I read this at first. But the Lord, he's saying, it's a shaking coming. It's a shaking coming. Hallelujah. It's a massive earthquake coming into the political realm. Hallelujah. And it's going to affect the economics of our country. It's going it's going to affect that. Because as I was looking at these definitions, it kept on pointing me back to the financial market. It kept on pulling, pointing me back to economics. Hallelujah. We can look at economics. I think it's economics. My bad. <laughs> we can look up the definition of economics. I know somebody said it. I ain't gonna say it though. And it says it's power in that definition. That's what I was talking about. In case somebody like, what's she talking about? It's power in that definition. I know somebody thought of that. And it says is economics is the social science that studies how people interact with value, in particular the production, distribution, and consumptions of goods and services. Economics focus on the behavior and the inheritance of economic agents and how econo- economies work. What is the basic definition of economics? That's one of the questions at the bottom. A standard definition of economics could describe it as a social science directed at satisfaction of needs and wants through the allocation of scarce resources, which have alternative uses. We could go further to state that economics is about the study of scarcity, scarcity and choice. Okay. So it's all going back to how... 
it's a shaking coming, okay? Like, that's the best thing I could put it. It's a shaking. A shaking is getting ready to happen. And it's going to affect the financial market. It's going to affect the economics, okay? Just the economics, period. But it's going to be a political earthquake, family. I'm not saying it won't be a massive human earthquake. But I need you to go deeper into the spirit. Because we know when we see these things, it's a root to that. In the mighty name of Jesus, we see see that in the natural yeah we might see earthquakes but what is the supernatural saying that's how what we got to go look at in the mighty name of jesus so then i want to go to ezekiel 31 we have read this the other day and the lord had brought me back to this and it's 31 verse where is it? Verse what? 16. And it says, I made the nation shake with fear at the sound of its fall. For I sent it down to the grave with all the others who descended to the pit. Family, it's a shaking happening. It's a shaking getting ready to happen. Hallelujah. When I woke up this morning, right? The Lord said, you're going to see the harvest. And it was just so weird because he said it and then I woke up and I was like, I'm going to see the harvest. And he said, you're going to see the harvest. But then it takes it back to, let's go to um, Luke 18. Is it Luke 18? Yes, yeah, Luke 18. I know we hopping everywhere, family, but the Lord, he's speaking. Hallelujah. And I need the word of God so you can test the spirit by the spirit. And it says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of the city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Family, family, it says right here, I tell you the truth. He will grant justice to them quickly, quickly. God is granting justice. It's going to be quickly. Jesus said, he said, it's going to be quickly. Do you get that? It's going to be quickly. <laughs> okay. You, that's why it's been repent, repent, repent. Cause it's happening quickly. It's a swift move of God. He's coming in with justice swiftly. Hallelujah. And he, and he is going to, um, you, you, wait, wait, I'm gonna just keep on. Cause I don't have to ad lib the Lord. Um, Lord, which chapter you want me to go to next? Let's go to Zechariah 14. Zechariah, not Zephaniah, Zechariah. 
And it says, the Lord will rule the earth. Watch for the day the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming when your possessions will be plundered right in front of you. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken and the houses looted and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the mountain of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from the east to the west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through these, this valley, for it will reach across the Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and his holy ones with him. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine. Yet there will only there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day and night. For at evening time, at evening time, it will still be light. On that day, li- on that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean Sea, flowing continuously in both summer, summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. At all the land from Geba, north of Judah to Ramon, south of Jerusalem will become one vast plain, but Jerusalem will be raised up in its original place and will be inhibited all the way from Benjamin gate over to the site of the old gate, then the corner gate and from the tower of Hanel to the King's wine press and a, and Jerusalem will be filled safe at last, never again to be cursed and destroyed. And the Lord will send a plague on all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their people will become like a corpse their flesh rotting away, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, they will be terrified, stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will fight their neighbors hand to hand. Judah will be fighting at Jerusalem. The wealth of all the neighbor nations will be captured. Great quantities of gold, silver, and fine clothing. This this same plague will strike the horses, mules, camels, donkeys, and all the other animals in, in the enemy's camp. In the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survived the plagues will go up to Jerusalem each year to worship the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies, and to celebrate the festival of shelters. Any nation in the world that refuses to come to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies, will have no rain. If the people of Egypt refuse to attend the festival, the Lord will punish them with the same plagues that he sent on other nations who refuse to go. Egypt and the other nations will be punished if they do not go to celebrate the festivals of shelters. On that day, even the harness bells of the horses will inscribe with these words, Holy to the Lord. And the cooking pots in the temple of the Lord will be as sacred as basins used besides the altars. In fact, every cooking pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord of heaven's armies. All who come to worship will be free to use any of these pots to boil their sacrifices. And on their day, there will no longer be traitors in the temple of the Lord, in the temple of the Lord of heaven's armies. Family. 
all of that is saying the Lord is coming to rule the earth. He's coming. Like that was, that was the beginning of it. That's what it's telling you. God is coming and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, but you got to call on the name of the Lord. All who, all who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. Do you get that? But anybody that will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord will be cursed. God will send plagues to those people. Do you understand that? He's not playing. He's not playing. And I know we, I've been saying this forever because God, he's so, he is his mercy and his grace. And he keep on telling me, go, go warn them. Go tell them. Go tell my children. Go warn them. It's a massive earthquake coming. Hallelujah. And um, Lord, where do you want us to go next? Let's go to Isaiah 14. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people once again. He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And the people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. The nations of the world will help the people of Israel to return. And those who come to live in the Lord's land will serve them. Those who capture Israel will themselves be captured. And Israel will rule over its enemies. In that wonderful day, when the Lord gives his people rest from sorrow and fear, from slavery and chains, you will taunt the king of Babylon. You will say, the mighty man has been destroyed. Yes, your insolence is ended, for the Lord has crushed your wicked power and broken your evil rule. You struck the people with endless blows of rage and held the nations in your angry grip with the unrelenting tyranny. But finally, the earth is at rest and quiet. Now I can sing again. Even the trees of the forest, the cypress trees and the cedars of Lebanon sing out with joyous song. Since you have been cut down, no one will come now to cut. No one will come now to cut us down. In the place of the dead, there is excitement over your rival. The spirits of the world's leaders and the mighty kings long dead stand up to see you. With one voice, they cry, all cry out. Now you are as weak as we are. Your might and your power were buried with you. The sound of the harp in your palace has ceased. Now maggots are your sheets and the worms are your blank worms your blankets. How you are how you are fallen from heaven. O shining star, son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? The kings of the nations lie in 
lie in stately glory and each in his own tomb. But you will be thrown out of your grave like a worthless branch, like a corpse trampled underfoot. You will be be dumped into a mass grave with those killed in battle. You will descend to the pit. You will not be given a proper burial for you have destroyed your nation and slaughtered your people. The descendants of such an evil person will never again receive honor. Kill this man's children. Let him die because of their let them die because of their father's sins. They must not rise and conquer the earth, filling the world with with their cities. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I myself have risen against Babylon. I will destroy its children and its children's children, says the Lord. I will make Babylon a desolate place of owls. Filled with swamps and marshes, I will sweep the land with a broom of destruction. I, the Lord of Heaven's armies, have spoken. The Lord of Heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will all happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. I will break the Assyrians when they are in Israel. I will trample them on my mountain. My people will no longer be their slaves, nor bow down under their heavy loads. I have planned for the, for the whole earth a hand of judgment upon all the nations. The Lord of Heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans when his hand is raised? Who can stop him? Mm. Family, ask yourself that because can't nobody stop the Lord. Can't nobody stop him. <laughs> like we guess, obviously we can pray. We can pray, but God's plans is so. They so. His word will not return back to him void. So I'm not saying like, let's all give up and not pray. I ain't saying that. Like we definitely pray. Please, Psalms 91 over your life. Go and get your souls. But I'm saying like God's words is so. Whoever doesn't call on the name of the Lord cannot be saved. So so tell people to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Do you understand that? We always be talking about the mark of the beast, right? But the thing about it is. If you do not accept that Jesus Christ is Lord, you accept the mark of the beast because you will not accept that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will not call on his name to be saved. Do you get me? Like, I'm not saying that there's not going to be a physical sign of the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that. I ain't saying none of that. All I'm saying is it all starts with not declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where it all starts. Because if you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will not take the mark of the beast because you know Jesus Christ is Lord. You catch that? This message came to me the year King Eyes died. Do not rejoice, you Philistines, that the rod... That the rod that struck you is broken, that the king who attacked you is dead from for from that snake, a more poisonous snake will be born, a fiery serpent to destroy you. I will feed the poor in my pasture and the needy will lie down in peace. But as for you, I will wipe you out with famine and destroy the few who remain well at the gates, weep in the cities, melt with fear, you Philistines, a powerful army comes. With smoke from the north, each soldier rushes forward, eager to fight. What should we tell the Philistine messengers? Tell them the Lord has built Jerusalem. Its walls will give refuge to his oppressed people. All who call the name of the Lord, you're going to be good. You're going to be safe. Now, I ain't saying, because when I say good, like, 
I'm not sitting here saying everything going to be raisies, rainbows and daisies for you. I ain't saying that. But I'm saying that you got the Lord as your refuge. Okay? The weapons can still form, but God is your refuge. Do you get that? If you don't call on the name of the Lord, you have no, you have no refuge. You have no shield. You are, you are under whatever, whatever wickedness the enemy is going to do, or even the wrath of God. Because I don't even want to give the enemy no shine like that. You are under the wrath of God. Period. If you will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are an enemy of the Lord. Do you get that? Don't nobody really. People don't understand that. Who was? Do you want to be an enemy of God? I know I don't. I know I don't. Where are you running from God from? Where? He got a way to, to he has a way <laughs> to get you. And you can't even see which way God's coming from. You don't know. So who, why do people mess with him? That's a sidebar. Why do people mess with God? He's God. He's everything and he's everywhere. Like you cannot run from him. <sighs> Lord, where you want me to go? Hold on, family. Let's go to Isaiah 28. What sorrow awaits the proud city of Samaria, the glorious crown of the trunks of Israel. It sits at the head of the fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. It is the pride of a people brought down by wine. For the Lord will send a mighty army against it, like a mighty hailstorm and a torrential rain. They will burst upon it like a surging flood and smash it to the ground. See, deluge, remember we were talking about deluge, a flood. I'm telling you, it's, it's something coming. And and the and, and the Lord he's sending it. It's like a it's gonna be like a flood. You see how it says, For the Lord will send a mighty army against it. Excuse me, like a mighty hailstorm and a torrential rain. They will per- burst upon it like a surging flood and smash it to the ground. The proud city of Samaria, the glorious crowns crowns of the drunks of Israel, will be trampled beneath its enemies' feet. It sits at the head of the fertile valley, but its glorious beauty will fade like a flower. Whoever sees it will snatch it up as an early fig is quickly picked and eaten. Then at the last, then at last, the Lord of heaven's armies will himself be Israel's glorious crown. He will be the pride and joy of the remnant of his people. Sorry, family. Okay, he will give a longing for justice. He will give a longing for justice. We were just reading in Luke 18. The Lord is he's he's giving justice quickly. He's serving justice quickly to their to their judges. He will give great courage to their warriors who stand at the gates. How now, however, Israel is led by drunks who who reel with wine and stagger with alcohol. The priests and prophets stagger with alcohol and lose themselves in wine. They reel when they see visions and stagger as they render decisions. Their tables are covered with vomit. Filth is everywhere. Who does the Lord think we are, they ask. Why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over. One 
line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. So now God will have to speak to his people through a foreign oppressor who speak a strange language. God has told his people, here is a place of rest. Let the weary rest here. There is a place of quiet rest, but they would not listen. So the Lord will spell out his message for them again. One line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there so that they will stumble and fall. They will be injured, trapped and captured. Therefore, listen to this message from the Lord. You scoffing rulers in Jerusalem, you boast we have struck a bargain to cheat death and have made a deal to dodge the grave. The coming destruction can never touch us, for we have built a strong refuge made of lies and deceptions. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never to be shaken. I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness. Since your refuge is made of lies, a hailstorm will knock it down. Since it's made of deception, a flood will sweep it away. I will cancel the bargain you made to cheat death and I will overturn your deal to dodge the grave. When the terrible enemy sweeps through, you will be trampled into the ground. Again and again, that flood will come morning after morning, day and night until you are carried away. This message will bring terror to your people. The bed you have made is too short to lie on. The blankets are too narrow to cover you. The Lord will come as he did against the Philistines at Mount Perizim and against the Amorites at Gibbon. He will come to do a strange thing. He will come to do an unusual deed. For the Lord, the Lord of Heaven's army, has plainly said to his the to his to, hold on, has plainly said that he is determined to crush the whole land. So scoff no more or your punishment will be even greater. Listen to me. Listen and pay close attention. Does a farmer always plow and never sow? Is he ever for, is he forever cultivating the soil and never planting? Does he not finally plant his seed? Black cumin, cumin, wheat, barley, emmer wheat? each in his proper way and each in his proper place. The farmer knows just what to do for God has given him understanding. A heavy sledge is never used to thresh black human. Rather, it is beaten with a light stick. A threshing wheel is never rolled on human. Instead, it is beaten lightly with a flail. Grain for bread is easily crushed, so he doesn't keep on pounding it. He threshes it under the wheels of a cart, but he doesn't pulverize it. The Lord of Heaven's army is a wonderful teacher. He gives the farmer great wisdom. Family, hold on for two seconds because my daughter is knocking at the door. So give me two seconds. Hold on. Okay, so family, sorry. So the Lord, he was speaking to me as I was writing this. And he was saying that he's coming to uh, for the people who are saying that there's peace but there's no peace. He's coming for these false prophets. Hallelujah. These people with their lies and their deceits. Even the very his very own people who have lied and perverted his word to get what, what they want accomplished. To say what was going to keep the con- to tickle the congregation's ears. He's coming for people like that. And he's saying that he keeps on telling people because people not getting it. People not getting that people are lying on the Lord. 
People are flat out lying, speaking peace, and there's no peace. So let's go to um, Jeremiah 28. And it says, One day in late summer for the same year, the fourth year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, Hananiah, son of Azor, a prophet from Gibbon, addressed me publicly in the temple. While all the priests and people listened, he said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, I will bring back all the temple treasures that the king Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon. And I will bring back Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the other captives that were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks. I, the Lord, have spoken. Jeremiah responded to Hananiah as they stood in the front of all the priests and the people of the temple. He said, Amen. May your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back the ba- from Babylon the treasures of this temple and all of the captives. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all the people. The ancient prophets who precede you and me and me spoke against my many nations, always warning of war, disaster, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. Then Hananiah, the prophet, took the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and broke it into pieces. And Hananiah said again to the crowd that had gathered, this is what the Lord says. Just as the yoke has been broken within two years, I will break the yoke of oppression from all the nations now now subject to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon with the temple. With that, Jeremiah left the temple area. Soon after this confrontation with Hananiah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says, you have broken a wooden yoke, but you have replaced it with a yoke of iron. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I have put a yoke of iron on the necks of all these nations, forcing them into slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I have put everything, even the wild animals under the his control. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but the people believe your lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says You must die. Your life will end this very year because you have rebelled against the Lord. Two months later, the prophet Hananiah died. A family and it's people out here lying, saying that God gave them a word and God say, I ain't never said nothing to them. I ain't never told them nothing. They lying on me. They, they, they're promising people, um, these, these, um, like little, what, what word do I want you? These little cupcake messages, these little, like, um, glitter and sprinkle, um, ice cream cone messages. And that's not so that's not what the Lord said. The Lord ain't tell you to say that to them. The Lord told you to, to tell them to repent and to be delivered. That's what the Lord said. But you out here lying, promising people cars and houses. And the Lord is like, how can I do that? If they got the spirit of poverty on them, I told you to go tell them that part, but you didn't want to tell them that part. So you replaced the yoke with an even heavier yoke. Hallelujah. Cause you lying. It's the lies and the deception for the Lord. That's what it is. It's the lies and the deception. And he has gave people time and time and 
and time to come and repent. And people don't want to repent. They want to keep lying. They want to keep deceiving. And the Lord, he's coming swiftly and he's coming quickly with the justice because he, his people have been lied to. His people have been bamboozled. You get what I'm saying? People speak in peace and there's no peace. There was no peace and people speak in peace. How you going to do that? How? How? Let's go to um Jeremiah 8. Hold on a second. I'm just getting my charger. Okay. Let's start. In that day, says the Lord, the enemy will break open the graves of the kings and officials of Judah and the graves of the priests, prophets and common people of Jerusalem. They will be spread out. They will spread out the bones on the ground before the sun, moons and stars. The gods my people have loved, served and worshipped. Their bones will not be gathered up again or buried, but will be scattered on the ground like manure. And the people of this evil nation who survive will wish to die rather than live where I will send them. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Jeremiah said this to the people that this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get up again? When they discover that they're on the wrong road, don't they turn back? Then why do these people stay on their self-destructive paths? Why do the people of Jerusalem refuse to turn back? They cling tightly to their lives and will not turn around. I listen to their conversations and I don't hear a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for doing wrong? Does anyone say what a terrible thing I have done? No, all are running down the path of sin as swiftly as a horse galloping into battle. Even the stork that flies across the sun, the sky, know the time of her migration as do the turtle doves, the swallow and the crane. They all return to the proper time each year, but not my people. They do not know the Lord's laws. How can you say we are wise because we have the world, the word of the Lord, when your teachers have twisted it by writing lies? That these wise teachers will fall into the trap of their own foolishness, for they have rejected the word of the Lord. Are they so wise after all? I will give their wives to others and their farms to strangers, from the least to the greatest, and their lives are ruled by greed. Yes, even my prophets and priests are like that. They are all frauds. They offer superficial treatment for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurance of peace when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of these disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they will lie among the slaughter. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. I will surely consume them. There will be no more harvest of figs and grapes. Their fruit trees will all die. Whatever I gave them will soon be gone. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the people will say, why should we wait here to die? Come, let's go to the fortified towns and die there. For the Lord our God has decreed our destruction and has given us a cup of poison to drink because... Excuse me. We have sinned against the Lord. We hope for peace, but no peace came. We hope for a time of healing, but found only terror. The snorting of the enemy's war horses can be heard all the way from the land of Dan in the north. The 
the name of their stallions makes the whole land tremble. They are coming to devour the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. I will send these many troops among you, like poisonous snakes you cannot charm. They will bite you and you will die. I, the Lord, have spoken. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people asked? Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone. The people cry, yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for my people's wounds? Family. It's it's really like, there's nothing else. I don't need to add nothing to that. Because the Lord already spoke. And his words is so, his word will not return back to him void. Because we we see, we was even talking about that earlier. The Lord, he be saying, go tell them to repent. Go tell them this. Go tell them that. And I go and do it. And then people are like, well, why the Lord keep on repeating himself? Because the Lord, he's like, you're not getting it. You still not getting it. Uh, you repenting, but then you turning back to your vomit. You're not asking me to clean your heart. You're just repenting because you are afraid of what's going to happen to you. But you truly don't want a relationship with me, says the Lord. You're not worried about a true relationship with me. You just want to use me, says the Lord. That's what he said. People want to be, oh, I just don't want to go to hell. And the Lord is like, so that's the only reason why you want to be near me? Because you want to use me. You go and you tell lies to people. You go and charm these people. And we know charm is deceptive. You want to do all of that. But you don't want to go and tell them what I really told you. You want to turn a blind eye to to all the signs I am showing you. Justice is coming and it's coming quickly and it's coming swiftly. That's what the Solomon Lord says. Justice is coming swiftly to the land. So ask yourself, do I want to be in the Lord's presence because I love him? Do I want to reign with Christ because I love him? Or do I just want to be in God's presence because I don't want the enemy to bother me? I want to use God to keep me safe. Which one is it? Are you using God or do you really want a relationship with him? Will you hang on to them lies and them deceptions? Or will you really be cleansed in the blood because you care that it hurts God to see his children in sin? It hurts him because he's like, I died for you so I can get you out of that. Which one are you going to do? So family... We're going to do a um a part two. We are going to do a part two 
to this word. So stay tuned. It, it's probably going to drop the same day. <laughs> but we're going to do a part two. And I pray that you allow the Lord to search your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that you are cleansed in the blood. I pray that you truly want a relationship with the father because he's your father. Because he's your father, not because of what he has or what he can do, but because you love him. I pray, I pray that over your life, if you will receive it, fall in love with the father because you love him. Don't be a gold digger. Love him because he loves you. He does all of these things because he loves you. Don't use them. Don't use the Lord. Because he really loves you. It's not about what you can have or what he could do. It's about receiving the love. That's why God is so good. Because his love. He's just full of unfailing love. Yes, he forgives your sins. And that's good too. But you know why he forgives your sins? Because he loves you. Do you know why he showers you with blessings? Because he loves you. It's, it's, it's just because of that. He's not trying to have his children be materialistic. It's because he loves you. He wants a good life for you because he loves you. He wants to cleanse you because he loves you. He wants to take sin away from you. He wants you to be spotless and blameless because he loves you. He doesn't want you to sin. He knows that that when you sin, you die spiritually. And the sin can lead to death. He knows that. That's why he says don't do it. Because he loves you. He knows that you're in a world that is full of wickedness. And he's telling you what not to do so you don't fall into the trap. Because he loves you. Because he wants what's best for you. He's not being hard on you. He doesn't want to destroy you, but it's sin. It's the wickedness. It's the wickedness. And you cannot have two masters. You can't. You can't be a friend of this world. You can't obey the enemy and then want to obey God. You can't do both. You have to choose. You can't do both. Okay? You just can't do it. He has to destroy sin. He has to. He doesn't want to be around sin. He doesn't want to destroy you. He loves you. But it's the enemy. And it's his little demons. He he destroys them because they're wicked. It's nothing good in them. It's nothing good about them. And if you want to sit there, you want to flirt with them. You are under that judgment because you're flirting. You, you, you live in a life that, the, well, not even a life. You live in the death that the enemy's trying to trick you to think that is life. We hear people all the time. They say, it's my life. It's my choice. Do you know that you were bought for a cost? Do you know that Jesus shed his blood for you to show you how much he loves you? Do you know that? Do you know that your body doesn't belong to you? When did you make your body for you to think it belongs to you? 
God created you. Yes, he gave you free will because he's a good father and he doesn't want robots. He wants his children to truly love him. That's why he wants you to choose to love him. What sense is it just to make people love you? He wants you to choose to love them because that's more important. It's more special when you choose to. Do you want somebody just to love you? Because, oh, I just got, I just feel like I have to so I can get what I want. Do you want that? Do you want somebody just to pop in and talk to you when they need something? Do you want that? So why do you think he wants that? Why do you think? Do do you want somebody just to be around you because of what you can get them? What you can do for them? Do you do, do you want that? Or do you want somebody that you know that's going to love them? What if you what if you were just so in love with somebody that you were willing to give up your life for them? But that person don't even care. How would you feel? But God, because he like, I still love you. Could you handle that? Could you handle somebody turning their back on you that you died for? And still, and could you still be there with open arms waiting for the day that they come back? Or would you give up on that person? Because God, listen, I'm not saying God giving up on nobody catch this. I'm just saying, how would you feel if you was the Lord? So why, why treat him a way that you don't want? Aren't we supposed to love people the way we, or treat others the way we're supposed to be treated? Like the way we want to be treated? That includes Jesus. So sit there and really, really, really just think about this. Just really think about it. And ask the Lord to reveal your heart to you. Ask him. He will. Family, these are things that I had to go through in my own personal life. The, The Lord had to reveal to me. If I truly loved him or not. Or if I was just using him. Was I being a gold digger? Was I just afraid of going to hell? So now that the Lord, he revealed those things to me. He tells me, go strengthen your brothers and sisters. Family, I love y'all. I really do. (laughs) Stay tuned for part two. Most importantly, let's say it together. Jesus loves you. Bye.